It's Pentecost Sunday. It's the, it's, again, if you don't know anything about this, it's a very simple version is obviously when Jesus died, he rose again three days later. And for some of you, you may understand this because of the way you've grown up with church history or Christianity, but there was a 40-day window where Jesus came back from the dead and he appeared to many people, including his followers. He brought incredible evidence about who he is and all the things that he'd said before and all the things that he'd done. The guys just didn't really understand what he was saying. They saw the stories, they saw the examples, they saw the miracles, they saw the healings. And yet they kind of still had this idea of political freedom, political liberation. They actually thought he was going to liberate them from the oppressors called Rome. And so seeing their hero dead on a cross was not a great place to be. It was not a happy moment in life, far from it. And so they go through this journey where he rises from the dead and he comes back, he appears to them. He, and many days, over 40 days, he taught them, he spoke to them, he explained the context, he put revelation into their hearts. And he said something to them, he said, don't go anywhere, don't leave Jerusalem. Don't even try to do anything for me and my heavenly father. Don't do anything for the kingdom of God until, until you get what my father has promised. And that is the Holy Spirit. The gospel of John, John 15, John 16. Jesus takes a lot of time to explain in detail in these two chapters about the role of the Holy Spirit. And so here he's saying to them, don't you dare go anywhere. They were broken. They were crushed. When he came back from life and he came back from the dead and he spoke to them about the scriptures, the Old Testament, and how they outworked through him and how he fulfilled the law and everything that was basically not good enough was all put through Jesus. So they just had a most amazing encounter with God. And these broken men turned into a mighty force for the beginning of the church. Paul, a fisherman, becomes an incredible preacher. Ordinary men and women that risk their lives by standing out and standing up for Jesus ended up becoming the backbone of the church that you and I are a part of in the 21st century. And so this day represents our story, this Day represents the purpose of our story, the meaning behind our story. Not the story of an individual, but the story collectively of ordinary people who have found hope through Christ. They went from being afraid and timid, scared of everyone and scared of everything, feeling useless and feeling dejected, feeling like what was the point of leaving their fishing business is to follow someone that promised everything but somehow didn't really deliver everything. So these 40 days were incredible. Having 40 days in the presence of God where you suddenly have your chance for all your fears to be replaced with love. Perfect love casts out all fear. So these ordinary people suddenly started going forward. You've got to remember in the first century, it's a miracle that anyone became a Christian because to, to proclaim Christ as your Lord and Savior was basically considered treason. And in this world back then, treason meant death. Many of them did die because they didn't surrender to anyone else. They, uh, they didn't surrender to Caesar. They surrendered to Christ and Christ alone. And so their life was taken. There wasn't law courts. There was Roman rule. There was Roman justice system. And it was pretty much uh, favored towards the wealthy, the elite. It wasn't real justice that we try to aspire to today. 
And so there was no lawyer going to back you. There was no real prison system that was going to release you. There was a lot of persecution, a lot of pain. And, and you have to understand this because what is the power of the church? Trust me, it's not ripped jeans and nudie jeans and Hillsong music and hairstyles and color and car lengths and tattoos. It's, that's not the strength of the church. There's not many followers you've got on Instagram that build strength into your life. Oh, that's good. I've only got three. You're awesome. What builds strength into our lives is the intimacy with God, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, don't go anywhere till you get it. And not it like mystery, but the person of the Holy Spirit. And so obviously we know within 50 days, that's what Pentecost 50 days, we get this Incredible insight from one of the historians, Luke, who records what happens on the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we see these frayed, timid, going nowhere, almost want to give up kind of people turn into unstoppable. We're not scared of death or persecution or hostility. You and I will never experience any of that, not living in this part of the world. By God's hope and grace, none of you will ever experience anything that we read about him. There are people in our world today, though, Christians in parts of the world that do get persecuted and do face death. Just recently, tragically, in Indonesia, one of the, I think, the second largest city in Indonesia, uh, through the bombings in churches, tragically, people lost their lives. There's not one day on planet Earth where we are not aware of pain and suffering. But you cannot stop the church. And I want you to know today, that's why Pentecost and why this Sunday is so important for all of us. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit in. Not to make you weird and not to make you useless, but to make you useful to the purposes of God. And I love this song that we were singing tonight. The team was singing tonight about who lit the fire, who sparked, you know, what is the spark that's going to ignite a generation in the 21st century that literally means that you're going to be unstoppable. The odds don't look favorable. There's way more people outside of our walls than there are inside this building today. There's way more people at the carnival down in Kreuzberg tonight, today, tomorrow, yesterday, by far than people that will go to the house of God. And I'm not against carnivals. I'm not against all these celebrations that a city has. What I am saying is, is, we just need to know what the spark is. We just need to know what fire needs to be lit. And we need to know where it comes from. It's from the Holy Spirit. See, the call of God gets a hold of you. You don't get a hold of it. See, vision is easy. Vision, you can pick it up. You can lay it down. It's not about memorizing vision. You can memorize it and still not live it. And so what I want you to understand, the power of the Holy Spirit is is literally the backbone of the church. Jesus never lived his public life without the help of the Holy Spirit. When he healed the blind, he did it with the help of the Holy Spirit. When he lifted the broken, he did it with the Holy Spirit. When he spoke and, and, and communicated the truths of heaven to a generation that didn't understand because of religious law, he did it with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm speaking right now with the help of the Holy Spirit. That I don't need to shake and rattle and roll and do funny things to make you feel like, oh, he's got the power. The power's inside. 
I struggle with my words. I find it difficult to spell. And I, I have a, a lot of challenges in the sense of you wouldn't know because it looks like, oh, he makes it so easy. But the point is, it's the help of the Holy Spirit. You're going to go back to a hospital tomorrow and be a nurse or a doctor or a surgeon or a care, whatever it is. You're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit. You're going to go back to a kindergarten, raise them kids and love them parents and help them navigate twists and turns. You're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit. You want to build your lives, pass some exams. You want to do something. Your life is not just an ordinary life, getting by, doing whatever you do, walk over everyone, kill everyone, stamper. Your life is not about being ferocious. It's about being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It's about tuning into God and getting revelation from Him. You won't get revelation from a man. You'll get revelation from God. It's the Holy Spirit that helps the church. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit. How are you going to build your family? By the Spirit of God. How are you going to get that new job? By the Spirit of God. And I want you to know that I'm talking tonight about your advantage. Matthew 5 says this. Here's another old saying. Jesus was speaking to religious people and to people who were following him, criticizing him and following him. And there's all sorts of people around Jesus. But he said this. There's another saying. A second look. Let's take a second look at another saying. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Is that going to get us anywhere? As predominantly a lot of people in the world live that way. A lot of the Middle East lives that way. An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. The continent of Africa lives that way in some areas through history. It's definitely lived that way. Humanity has definitely lived that way. And I don't think it's gone away. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. What does that mean? You take my eye, I'll take your eye. You take my tooth, I'll take your tooth. It's kind of a funny saying, but the truth is, if you take from me, I'm going to take from you. It's tribal. In the ancient world, they had covenants with tribes. Weaker tribes would find the refuge of a, strength, a stronger tribe. They would make agreements with each other. They would exchange and they would do all these things because they knew they couldn't survive on their own. They needed people to help them. They knew that it was better if they had other people working for them. So there was strong things in our, in our human story that we have to maybe consider again in the 21st century. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Is that going to get you anywhere, Jesus says? Here's what I propose. Don't hit back at all. Don't hit back at all. What I'm trying to say here, people, is that the strength of the church, the advantage of the church, your advantage, my advantage, is the Holy Spirit. What was the advantage of Jesus? He could see things no one else could see. And because he was at an advantage of seeing it from the Father's position, he could be bold and do things and say things no one else could even imagine. Jesus' advantage was the Holy Spirit. He never said anything that the Father didn't want to say. Whatever the Father said, Jesus said it. Whatever the Father did, Jesus did it. Whatever the Father wanted, Jesus did it. And it was the help of the Holy Spirit. There was no conflict between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are one. It wasn't mixed messages. It wasn't schizophrenia. It wasn't personal agenda and what I want and what I see and what I think. Jesus had an advantage. That's why when the people heard him speak, wow, 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 he speaks differently. He says things differently. We've never heard anyone say it like this. 
And Jesus says, an eye for an eye, a two for a two. Let me propose another way. The Father's way. The kingdom way. The way that man will never understand. What's your advantage? The Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means that He's going to give you something that maybe no one else knows. In John 15, 16, He says literally this, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth will lead you into all truth. He doesn't lead you into some truth and play games with you. How do I know the truth? So the Holy Spirit is your advantage. And that's why as the church on the 21st century, celebrating Pentecost Sunday, way more people out there than in here, but that's okay. God always works with a few to reach the, the, the masses. If it can reach one tonight, it's still a win. But there's a lot more than just ones in the room. And so I want you to know that the story, your story, my story, the story of the church is the power of the Holy Spirit. To be intimate, to know Him. And Jesus, that was His advantage. He did it with the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the creative part of the Trinity. It's, it's the world was void and without form and let there be light and phew, the Holy Spirit. When Jesus spat on the ground, He got the clay mixed it with his saliva, and put it on a man's eyes. The Bible reveals that the man didn't have any eyes. It was just eye sockets. It's a creative miracle. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to understand this. This is what he's saying. And he's saying, listen, let's look at another way. Don't hit back at it all. If someone strikes you, stand there and take it. If someone drags you into the court and sues for the shirt off your back, gift Wrap your best coat and make a present of it. And if someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No! Rip that one out of my Bible. No more tit for tat stuff. Live generously. Here's another simple rule of thumb, a guide of behaviour. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then take the advantage and do it for them. Add up all the law, God's law and prophets, and this is what you get. James chapter 2, isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is useless? Faith without action is useless? Holy Spirit will lead you to action. Call your mum and say sorry. Call your dad and tell him you love him. Call your friend that you gave up on and say, hey, I'm sorry for letting you down, but I want you to know I have not stopped thinking about you. You're still a great friend and I'm sorry that I hurt you, but I'm telling you now, will you please forgive me? You can thank your boss for an amazing job. There is no limit to your advantage in life. You just got to know how to get something done. Don't sit there and do nothing. Do something. Sing, praise, pray, move, do something. But don't let your culture 
and the passivity that comes with our culture remove us from the presence of God. No, you're called to do something. Your advantage is the Holy Spirit. The advantage of the church is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit took the church with all the might of Rome and took it and added strength to it for centuries. Within two to three, four centuries, Rome was gone. It was all over the place and yet, bam, it, within several hundred years, gone. But the church got stronger and stronger. The first century, there wasn't that many believers. Some say 20,000, some say 30, 50,000. But it took 100 years, to be honest, after Jesus had died and Paul had gone to give his best and he'd gone to be with Jesus. There wasn't that many believers around. Why? Because they were getting killed left, right and centre. They were murdered. They were persecuted. They were killed. They were lit up with oil so they could, Romans could, slaves could build the roads. And there's so much ugliness about the first century. It'll blow your mind if you actually paid attention to it, but it won't weaken you. It will strengthen you. Because when they were persecuted, they were singing. When they were told with a spear, deny this Jesus or you will die, it's high treason. And they said, no, we are not surrendering to Caesar. Jesus is our Lord. And they were murdered for it. They were killed for it. And yet the second century, most scholars say it went literally up to hundreds of thousands of believers. In other words, they couldn't stop them. And most scholars would say within three centuries, there were several million believers. Now, you might not think much of that, but if you put it in the context of how many people were alive back then, it was booming. They couldn't stop a fisherman. They couldn't stop a bunch of guys that were considered illiterate. They couldn't stop a small group of men that felt like their hero was dead and then they saw him alive. They started to preach and they started to proclaim and they walked and their shadow healed people and their handkerchiefs healed people and they preached and they proclaimed and they lifted people. And yes, they had to run and yes, they had to hide and yes, angels broke them out of prisons. I'm telling you, what's your problem today? No Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, help me, Jesus! That's the story of our faith. Read the chapter of Hebrews, read chapter 11, read chapter 12. There's no faith without the Word. And so I want you to know, Jesus says this, what's your advantage? What do you want people to do for you? Take the advantage and do it for them. Let me give you another way of saying this. What are you prepared to do that no one else is willing to do? I think one of the advantages for us, if you want to know what your advantage is, one of the advantages, servanthood. Are you willing to serve when no one else is willing to serve? We serve often with conditions. Well, how much time is it going to take? Oh, God bless you. It's not about how much time. The question should be, is your heart in it? If your heart's in it, you're not going to worry about time. You'll figure that time out. When a baby comes into your life, you don't go, how much time is this baby going to take? Everything! Until they're 21 or 29 in Europe. Is your heart in it? I think our advantage in the 21st century is are we willing to serve? Jesus came to serve. I think it's important that we understand the parallel with this or the opposites to this. The opposite is entitlement. 
All you've got to do is go to a company and find out the fridge has got no soft drinks. No one bothered to replace the fridge and put the free drinks in the fridge. The spirit of entitlement is an ugly place to be. You owe me. And sometimes in our own faith, you've got to find out, listen, don't go to God with you owe me. He owes you and me nothing. Maybe it's strong, but it's not strong. It's just we're so drifting away from who we are and who we belong to. And what was the power of the Holy Spirit in the church that God started 2,000 years ago? It wasn't that God, you owe me. It was that we owe Him everything. God doesn't even owe you a good life. He wants to give you a good life. That's a bit different from He owes me a good life. Entitlement is like cancer. It will rot you and it will destroy you and it will disfigure you. You've got no advantage if you want to live the life of you owe me. Jesus was messing with everybody. It's revolutionary. How dare you tell us to turn the other cheek? How dare you tell us to love our enemies? It's unthinkable. But that's why you need the Holy Spirit. If someone takes your son, I'm going to take your sons and your daughters. Okay. And revenge is going to bring peace. Never has, never will. So your advantage is servanthood because Jesus came to serve. Your advantage is the cause of Christ. Living for a cause bigger than yourself. Why? Because the greatest addiction we have in our modern world today is what we call self-focus. Another way is narcissism. Narcissistic behavior. Narcissism, I don't have time to explain what it is, but it, it looks like it's a cool thing. But the deep down, it's actually not about anyone else. It's completely, deeply, deeply, deeply about yourself. Oh, I love helping people seeking refuge. No, you don't. You just like you feeling important because you're helping. You don't even care about them. You just care about you looking good. Narcissism is a very, very ugly thing. And you don't even know it that's in yourself. It's when you're in community that you find out. I've never had a prayer request. Please pray for me, pastor. I'm so greedy. No one's ever given me a prayer request, ever. I'm greedy. You don't know you're greedy. I don't know I'm greedy. You had three pieces of cake. That's not greedy. That's just hungry. In other words, you don't know sometimes because we all have blind spots and the cause of Christ basically is your advantage. Is there anyone to live for the cause of Christ? Is anyone going to live for the cause of Christ? Because plenty of people living self-focused. Another advantage is submission. Surrendering to the mission. Why? Because submission versus independence. Independence speaks of self-sufficiency. I don't need God. I don't need God. Another one is excellence. I think excellence has got to be one of our advantages. Why? Because our world is filled with mediocre. Mediocre is just, that'll do. That'll do. That'll do. I'm fed up with the bins in our apartment being moved. And if there's a too many cardboard boxes, 
which means that when they move the bin, the car box falls over. When they bring the bin back, they can't move the cardboard and then put the bin in. No, 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 no. Was is das? Nishnein. They will leave the bin in the middle because they cannot move. I don't want to live my life like that. And yet, tragically, you can try and logicize this and try and go, well, there's a really insurance, insurance, insurance. You insurance yourself, silly. I don't want to live my life that small. I could give you a million examples like that, but I'm telling you, mediocre. I don't want to get on a tram called mediocre. Today, I want to get on a tram called excellence. How many people do you think is going to be on the tram of excellence versus the tram of mediocre? That's all I'm trying to say is your advantage is excellence. Our God is an excellent God. You bring excellence to the workplace. You submit and surrender to the promise of God. Listen to me, let me say it this one. I tried to say it earlier on. If God can't work, if man can't work with you, nor can God. If you're hard to work with, I guarantee it's hard for God to work with you. Am I easy to work with? No! You will never have someone who is hard to work with and God finds it easy to work with. It just doesn't work. If it's hard for man, it will be hard for God. If a man says, I'm using a metaphor, men, women, but if people say, oh my goodness, they're so easy to work with. They're just so non-complicated. Man, they just make it easy. Man, they've got a spirit of excellence. Man, they've come to work to serve. I guarantee if man finds it easy to work with you, so does God. You cannot say, you cannot have an employee going, oh my goodness, they're so hard, they're so complicated. And then suddenly God goes, oh really? I find her so easy to work with. You mustn't be leading well. It's not like that. It's a mirror. If humanity finds you hard to work with, I guarantee so does God. How does God work with you and me? By teaching us through His Son a different way to think. So I want you to understand this simple thing. Excellence versus mediocre. And generosity versus smallness. Smallness just means selfishness. The most selfish people in the world are the smallest people in the world. So Jesus says, if someone asks you to go one mile, go two. Jesus said, if someone asks you to go one mile, go two. You still like Jesus? You can't unfollow Him. You can't block Him. He has ways around your blockage. Hey, He said, what He was talking about is, again, Jews, Living under the occupation of Rome, a Roman soldier had every right with Roman law to stop a Jewish boy and say, pick up my backpack and carry it a hundred, a thousand paces or a Roman mile. And Jesus said, if that happens to you, go to. This is revolutionary. 
Well, intellectually, it's interesting. <laughs> but when's it going to happen? This is the story of the church. And I pray it will be our story in the 21st century. And I realize you don't get this just by saying yes or no. This is about intimacy with God. People, that's our faith. That's our advantage. It's revolutionary. It's mind-blowing. It's not popular. It goes against all conventional wisdom or even unconventional wisdom. And yet our Jesus would never ask us to do something that he didn't believe we could do. There's more in you. And I pray that you will make a choice that you're going to live a generous life with a spirit of excellence. Stay submitted to him and all that he represents. Make the cause of Christ your ultimate goal in life. And live a life of serving others. And you will directly find yourself in the top 1% living your advantage. Because for you to do this, not one week, not two weeks, but for the rest of your days, you're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit. Because you'll want to give up. You'll want to pull back. And I want you to know that this is our story today. Pentecost Sunday. The help of the Holy Spirit. The, what is the advantage of the church? The Holy Spirit. What is your advantage in life? the Holy Spirit. You will find yourself in the 1%, meaning not everyone wants this. Not everyone is doing this. And I just trust tonight that you'll have a fresh revelation of who you are and who you belong to. And I pray that you'll have this desire inside of you to always live up to your advantage. When I'm weak, I'm strong. Your advantage is not in how strong you are. Your advantage is in how strong God is. And I want you to know that carrying a weight like that, not one mile, but two, you're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit. Some of you, it's just about getting a good attitude. But once you get a good attitude and you keep a good attitude, it's about now finding what you're good at. It's about what's your strength. What is it that you don't need an alarm clock for? In other words, you'll get out of the bed in the morning for it. Well, the cause of Christ. The cause of Christ will get you going. What's the cause of Christ? Humanity redeemed. Don't get so busy with all the achievements of life and the success of life and the things to do in life that you forget we're all called to know Him and to make Him known.